Welcome back to the C-Speak podcast from PNC Bank. C-Speak Minnesota is the language of executives. I'm Jordana Green from WCCO Radio, joined as always with my co-host, Kate Kelly, president of PNC Bank Minnesota. Hi, Kate. Hi, Jordana. Great to be back with you and looking forward to speaking with Doug. Well, we really have a celebrity with us today. I'm very much looking forward to speaking with Doug Baker, who is the CEO of Ecolab. And we're talking today about water. You know, access to clean water is one of the biggest global challenges we face today. And in this land of 10,000 lakes, water is a huge part of our lives. Keeping our lakes and our rivers clean is important for our health, our economy, and our way of life. Protecting water is also a good business choice as keeping clean water today is much more effective than cleaning up dirty water tomorrow. Now, Ecolab delivers comprehensive solutions, data-driven insights, personalized service to maintain clean and safe environments and optimize water and energy use. So, as I mentioned before, CEO of Ecolab, Doug Baker, is acutely aware of how important it is to protect our water resources. And he joins me and Kate right now. Good morning, Doug. Why, good morning. It's great to be with you. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about such an important topic. So let's launch right in. Uh, It's Minnesota. It's the land of 10,000 lakes. It's the state where the mighty Mississippi starts. So why should we be concerned about our water here? Seems like it would be, we'd be good to go. Well, we certainly have a lot of it, um, but I would say there's never enough. And water is one of our primary assets, as you just listed. We have wonderful lakes, we've got beautiful rivers, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we take care of them. And as we look at what's been going on, we see several trends, and what we want to do is interrupt those trends. So when it comes to the rivers, you can see what's happened to the Minnesota River over a number of years. And unfortunately, I don't think we understood as much as we needed to, to make sure that the Minnesota River stayed clean. And as a result, it's not clean anymore. It's quite polluted and quite problematic. It's estimated that to fix it, it would take over $2 billion. And that's after we've already spent $1 billion trying to clean it. So what happened? Several things have occurred in the Minnesota River. One, we changed a lot of, if you will, the shoreline. And it turned into either agriculture or cities were built there. And you've got big runoff problems, runoff from agriculture, runoff from cities because storm sewers run right into the river. And as we've deforested, if you will, along the river, you don't have any of the natural barriers that used to, if you will, nature's filtration system. And so if you go to the confluence of the Minnesota River and the Mississippi River, and there are plenty of pictures that you can go Google, and those pictures will show you a massive difference between the brown silt-laden river that's the Minnesota where it joins the Mississippi River, which still today is relatively clean. And now as we look at the Mississippi, our fear is it's going to go the way of the Minnesota. And what we need to do is assure that we don't create two problems so that we have twice the cleanup that we do currently. And so with the Mississippi, we want to make sure that we do not allow deforestation. And interestingly enough, our state ranks as one of the highest states in deforestation in the country. And what's happening is we have a lot of agriculture coming right to River's Edge. 
And we want to make sure that we protect the river's edge because, as I mentioned earlier, the natural filtration that trees and, if you will, just the typical forestation provides is what really prevents rivers from becoming silt-laden and pollutant-laden. The other is making sure city runoffs are correctly maintained and established, i.e. rainwater goes down storm sewers, storm sewers dump into rivers typically and or other bodies of water. So it's really managing through that cycle. It's a lot cheaper to keep it clean, you know, somewhere like 20% of the cost to keep it clean than it is. And you get to enjoy clean water the whole time. You know, the river is recreation. It's commercial. It's absolutely important and vital to the state's economic health, the state's recreational health, tourist health, et cetera. So we want to do our part in keeping it clean. Hey, Doug, it's Kate. Uh, I'd like to ask, you know, what should the business community care about? The Why should they care about the Mississippi River and the land that surrounds it? Well, I think the, the business community's got responsibility. Look, we all rely on healthy communities to have healthy businesses. Some of the businesses here rely on the Mississippi directly, meaning the Mississippi has always been a big transportation vehicle, if you will, for moving grain downriver. It's also been a big vehicle historically for water that will probably reemerge over time, or for power, hydropower over time. And that's really why Minneapolis exists. It was really the waterfall, St. Anthony, that, that really started Minnesota, first in lumber and then ultimately in milling. And so it's been a, a long, if you will, um, important vehicle for economic growth. I'd say today it's just as important for tourism, recreation, community health. And if we want a vibrant, healthy state, we need to make sure that we take care of our natural resources. Doug, you mentioned some of the issues with deforestation, with runoff before. So what are the greatest threats right now to the Mississippi River? Yeah, it's really, I put it threefold. It's, it's number one, um, making sure that you keep shorelines natural. So deforestation and cutting down, if you will, the trees all the way down to the river's edge is a huge problem. Two, it's runoff. And it's agricultural runoff, but it's also urban runoff. We like to talk about agriculture all the time, but we have also challenges with urban setting runoff because what happens in rainy days is the rain hits the streets, flows into the storm sewers, it collects oil and all kinds of other pollutants, and then it immediately flows untreated, and that's the way we handle all stormwater, right into our rivers and our streams. And so these two combinations are very problematic. And then the Third is really climate change, and it's just going to exacerbate these two problems. So whether you believe in climate change or not, I happen to believe in it. It's just going to make a situation which is already problematic worse, and it's hard for us to predict exactly how, but we know rising temperatures. We know we're going to see increased and more sporadic hard rains, and as a consequence, this is all going to be, if you say, worsened over time as a consequence of climate change. Kate, again, uh, you know, so the river starts here. Does Minnesota have the responsibility for the river beyond our borders, or kind of how do you view that? Well, I believe it does. You know, I've got neighbors <laughs> to my right, left, forward, and back, and I think I've got responsibility for them as well. And they've got responsibility for taking care of their, their property in a way that doesn't harm us. So, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we, this river right now provides water for two and a half or two and a half million Minnesotans, 40% of our population. 
And it is another 15 million people downriver rely on the Mississippi for their drinking water. It also is obviously doing a number of other things, navigation and the rest. And the river does, as you say, start here. We're the parents of this river. We, we've got the headwaters. We need to make sure that we take care of it in a way that, that means the river will remain healthy, not only as it flows through Minnesota, but as it flows on south into the Gulf of Mexico. The tragedy today is if you go into the Gulf, where the river flows into the Gulf of Mexico, there is a huge dead zone. And this pollutant dead zone is starting in Minnesota and cascading and getting worse as it moves down throughout the country. And so we need to do our part. The danger is that the upper Mississippi, relatively clean today, ends up to go the way of some of the rest of the river. And we need to make sure that we prevent that. Doug, forgive my ignorance. Can you explain what a dead zone is? It's literally where you have created a chemical imbalance where nothing's really growing or living in that part of the Gulf of Mexico. And so the issue is, you know, we've got a number of things moving down the river and the river gets increasingly polluted as it moves south. So there is a point in time where, if you will, the river water overwhelms the Gulf water and has created a, you know, a polluted area where uh, a lot of nature is inhibited. So talk to us about the Nature Conservancy and what are they doing to protect our water? Well, you know, we we started partnering with the Nature Conservancy on an upper Mississippi yeah. preservation strategy. And the reason we did is really the, the thoughtfulness and the science-based approach that the Nature Conservancy has brought to this. So not all of the shoreline of the river is equal. And what, what the Nature Conservancy has done is really looked at the, the, the upper Mississippi, if you will, area. It's 13 million acres. And identified 200,000 acres that make the biggest difference in terms of, if you will, filtration. And that will make the biggest difference if we preserve them in maintaining the health of the river and or in some we have to restore in helping, if you will, rebuild the health of the river. So it's a very targeted and very specific plan. It's not trying to do everything. It's not trying to, if you will, maintain 13 million acres. It's really going after these targeted and vital 200,000 acres on the river. And so that's the work that we're doing. Now, our estimation is for $500 million versus $3 billion, which is what the Minnesota River is going to end up costing the billion sunk and the two billion in front of it. And I would take the over on that number quite candidly. We can preserve the river and forego the cleanup costs. In the meantime, we'll enjoy continued clean river and the great recreation that comes with it. This river flows north through the St. Cloud area and then down through the Twin Cities. And so there is a lot of our recreational part of the state that really counts on clean water. Groundwater is connected. So all of this is quite vital to the health of the state, both human health and I would just say environmental health. So Doug, um, what can others do? I know there's a lot going on, but are there some key recommendations that the listeners can take action on? Yeah, well, one, I'll say this. At the Nature Conservancy, we've been raising $21 million to be, if you will, kind of the feed fund for this initiative. We've raised, uh, I'd say, over like 90% of our raise at this point in time, but we still have a gap between what we 
ultimately need. And this money is going to be used, one, to start buying and securing some of the land rights that we talked about. And this is all voluntary, right? These are going to landowners and in many cases um, just buying the rights that they'll preserve the land, if you will. It's, it's quite economical. It's good for the landowner and it's good for the state. But that money is going to be important. So you can go on the Nature Conservancy's website and, and find the proper fund and, and making a donation would go a long way. The other is, I would say, making yourself aware of the challenges and getting involved. So we're also going to need to make sure that we um, hold the state legislature and the state government accountable for maintaining water health long term. And what happens frequently is it's the loudest voice gets the money. What we need to do is be quite strategic in how we're investing our environmental funds. And we need to make sure that we have staying power on projects that require multiple years. And so that we do this in a very wise way. And so that's going to take civic engagement. A democracy always is basically counting on people's involvement over a sustained period of time. And so everybody can do that part as well. You, know, you mentioned money. These are uncertain economic times. Have uh, protecting the river and the lands around it been at the top of the list during these times? And, um, you know, comment on why that might be so important to remember these spaces, even though times are tough. Yeah, I get asked this a lot. You know, we're interestingly our company at the heart of many environmental initiatives, particularly around water. Um, but water equals, you know, carbon emissions as well. If you reduce water, you reduce carbon. And we're also, because of what we do in antimicrobials around food safety and in healthcare in the middle of COVID in terms of reducing risk. So we get asked, well, does COVID mean environmental is not going to matter anymore? I'd say, well, actually, it probably means it should it should matter more not less. And the reason is what we've just seen is, you know, how, if you will, a pandemic being a large human risk manifesting itself on society and its impact. The larger risk, quite honestly, is environmental. And the risk that global warming represents in terms of continuing to reduce, if you will, water availability to human populations, water and clean water is really the number one um, driver of human health. If you do not have access to clean water in terms of sanitation, in terms of just life, growing food safely and the rest, you see a huge, huge drop off in terms of um, human health um, outcomes. So this is a very, very important thing. And I would say climate risk can make the pandemic seem small if we don't get on it. The difference is the pandemic is a once in a hundred we hope, 100-year event. So honestly, people like to, you know, go, oh, I can't believe we weren't ready and everything else. Well, you know, humans aren't good at getting ready for one every 100-year events, and we're not going to. But climate change is quite different. Climate change is this ongoing moving, if you will, sea levels we're watching rise. We're seeing a flood come our way, and we're not sandbagging. We're not taking the steps, and it's quite predictable what's going to happen here. And I would say the outcome could be much, much worse than the pandemic. So we need to get on this. And so what we have seen, fortunately, is I see more people subscribe to this belief than not. And we've been successful continuing to raise money for this Upper Mississippi project, even during this pandemic. Now, certainly foundations, people, we are personally giving a lot of money 
to pandemic causes to help people manage through a real crisis, be it food, be it shelter, be it just health healthcare generally. And I think that's absolutely important and a smart thing and a wise thing and a heartfelt thing to do. But we also have to remember that we have other challenges and to make sure that we continue to see those through. So I'm quite confident we're going to end up raising the money. We need others to contribute. But this is going to be an important step, if you will, to improve our state's resilience and frankly, all of our inhabitants' resilience to climate change coming forward. Well, that's really helpful, Doug. And it, that's largely why we were looking forward to this podcast in the midst of everything else. We have to keep our eye on a few other things going on. And uh, you just to explain that beautifully. Is this about greater Minnesota or the Twin Cities? Can you touch on kind of the how, how we look at that from the state of Minnesota? Yeah, I think this one is, there, there is no divide, right? The Mississippi starts in greater Minnesota or runs through greater Minnesota, ends up in the Twin Cities and then flows south from there. But, but all of us are economically tied to the river. So greater Minnesota from a tourism standpoint, water health, the lakes regions, are absolutely influenced by Minnesota water or Mississippi water quality. So it's very important. And obviously it flows through the Twin Cities and the impact is obvious there as well. So this is, I think, vital to the state as a whole. This isn't one of those where you can say, geez, one greater Minnesota or the Twin Cities somehow is either at greater risk or benefits more than the other. We're both, frankly, tied to this river and we need to collectively make sure that we take care of the river in a way that sustains it for future generations. Doug, let's talk briefly about the current situation of Ecolab. You know, reports say that sales were down by 15%, but you guys make cleaning supplies as, you know, one of many of your products. How do you see Ecolab faring during the rest of this pandemic? Yeah, you know, the COVID's fascinating, right? It's very asymmetric in its impact. So if you think of how it affects people, you know, I just, you know, right now the latest stats are 40% of people contract COVID have zero symptoms. And then we know if you're over 80, you have like a 15% chance of dying. So, I mean, this is this equally shared disease. Same with companies. You've got companies in many of the industries that we serve. So we serve the healthcare industries, the life sciences industries. Those businesses are booming. We serve the food retail, grocery store industry. That business is booming. We also share, serve the restaurant and hotel and cruise line business. You might guess that's not booming. And so we have businesses that are having record years in terms of demand and their challenges are meeting the increased demand. And then we have other businesses who are dealing with industries who are in really deep financial straits. And so we're having to deal with both sides of these barbells. We've said over the year, this will even out a little bit. We've seen, if you will, even through the second quarter when we had the 15% reduction in sales, we saw sales increase through the quarter. We don't expect that will be the worst quarter that we see um, going forward, we're quite confident, and that the business will improve as we go through why restaurants have opened. This is during a period of time in the second quarter where restaurants globally were shut down for a month, literally. And so that's not going to repeat in the same way. And hotel business will take a while to come back, but our business will be much stronger going through. So the way what we're concentrating on, honestly, isn't, isn't what do we do to make 2020 beautiful? What we're doing is making sure that we are preparing ourselves for post-COVID. 
So we think hygiene sensitivity and people's concern for hygiene is going to carry on well past COVID. I think people are much more aware of this as a consequence of steps that they've had to take to keep themselves safe. And probably this awareness is going to benefit us. There's a number of other diseases which transmit in similar ways. And so helping ourselves through this will help our, if you will, race. I mean, the whole human race as we go forward. So, you know, I think we're quite confident that our business will be quite strong in the future. What we do is clean water, you know, human health and environmental health. None of those things um, are, are going away. We think the importance of all three are going to be vital going forward, too. Doug, I believe that's all the questions Kate and I had for you. Is there anything else you want to add that maybe we didn't ask you or anything you feel the people of Minnesota need to know? No, I just think um, underscoring that we've been given gifts in Minnesota, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we take care of them. And one of the gifts is water. And so it's in the form of lakes and rivers, and Mississippi is probably our most iconic symbol. And stepping up and making sure we do the right things there is a wise thing to do, and it's the right thing to do. Beautifully said. Jordana, I would like to also add a thank you to Doug, but also Wendy Bennett and Ann Holland, your new director. Um, just the leadership, as I head off to the Boundary Waters next week, I'm very grateful that people are tending to these resources, and um, the more that we can have join that group, the better. So thank you for your leadership. Great. Thank you. Doug Baker, CEO of Ecolab, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for the education. We learned a lot today. All right. All the best. Kate, you and I are wrapping up. Always great to talk with you again. And I look forward to our next time on See Speak Minnesota, PNC Bank's podcast right here in Minnesota. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks, Jordana. And thank you, Doug. Absolutely. It's my pleasure.